Hello and welcome to the Poplar Propcast. This is Justin Libernet, your host. This week is a little bit different. I went to a convention for a couple of days last week. I went to Inman Connect. I wanted to bring you guys some of the stuff that they were talking about on the floor, not necessarily the sessions, because you can go find a lot of that information on Inman's website and some other places. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Inman, it is a real estate news source. It brings together agents, brokers, lenders, researchers, and they kind of have a lot of published news that really focuses on what's happening in real estate. <clears throat> Everything from prop tech to buyer side to seller side to what's going on in different markets to interest rate hikes, just all over the place. They have news that covers it. Inman Connect brings all those people together and talks about what's happening in the industry. A large number of the people that are there tend to be agents because that tends to be the largest consumer of that block of news. So while there, there were kind of three main discussion points that I kept hearing people talking about on the floor. They were brought up in some of the, the speakers discussions and I thought it'd be interesting to bring them to you guys and let you know what was being talked about. And also, and this is something I found really interesting is the agents and the people on the floor's reactions to them and the conversations that I was having around those ideas. The three things that were really talked about were the recent fine of Open Door by the FTC. Uh, the Department of Justice is doing an investigation of the National Association of Realtors. And then the last one was just kind of a trend discussion about tech and capital coming into real estate kind of over the last 10 years and how that queued up a lot of stuff that happened in the last two years in, in the development. So that first one, the Open Door fine, if you haven't caught up on this one, Open Door got hit with a $62 million fine by the FTC, a, a big chunk of change. Uh, FTC alleged that Open Door's marketing promised sellers they'd make more with Open Door when that was not always the case. So they were saying, come to us, we'll get you a better sales price. But that depended on the math of the deal and it wasn't a universal truth. So their advertising then was false. And that's what the fine is about. The agents and lenders I spoke to about this actually think Open Door and some other companies have a really good solution to a problem. And that's, that problem is the mismatch between selling a house and buying the next one. So when you are looking for your next home, your step-up home, once you buy it, you've often put in a contingent offer. You say, I will buy your house once I sell my existing house because that's when I'm going to get the capital to have the next house. If you don't have that contingency, if you're a first-time home buyer who the only contingency is making sure you can get the mortgage funding, you're more likely to be accepted because there's less complications in the offer. Then one step above that, if you're an all cash offer, you're even better looking. So there's there's this stack of priorities for a selling agent to try and get the deal done and the less complicated deal normally wins. So what Open Door does is it steps in and kind of takes this off of the table. It goes, okay, you know what? Just sell us your house. We'll sell it and have it done. And then you can go and do your next offer and then you tell us when we're closing on this deal. So the contingency on the sale of the house is, is pretty much done. It's just out of the way. And that is really useful to a buyer. But they were saying that they could get them a better deal. And those two things often didn't work in concert. Sometimes there were sacrifices to be made. And that has real value. There's a real product value there. But the misrepresentation is what they got hung for. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that the, the agents in the room... And the lenders and some of the people that were there, um, there was a round of applause when the fine was first mentioned. There was this kind of a joy or a glee taken in an interloper being punished, somebody that came into their space and that violation was now being 
um, moved against. And that was something that I think was a real energy on the agents is that as they're looking around at their industry and how much it's changing, a lot of that change is coming from outside. And there's a lot of pressure on the National Association of Realtors to kind of be more modern. But a lot of agents that have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years don't necessarily like all those changes. They like the way they've been doing things. So that that hold is where there's this kind of tension. And I think that's interesting because this goes to the next piece that they brought up, and that's around the Department of Justice investigation into NAR. So the Department of Justice announced this investigation, and this comes after a settlement was not finalized in an earlier antitrust case, which was the U.S. versus the National Association of Realtors. That was in 2020. They had come to an agreement, but they hadn't finalized the agreement. And so this new investigation is kind of in a different direction than the original case. So what they're looking at here is the seller side commission. So the Department of Justice is trying to figure out if the opacity around how buyers are paid is bad. They're also trying to figure out if that buyers are paid by sellers is bad because all of a sudden the motivation for a buyer's agent may not always align with the buyer's best interest, but rather to help close the deal so they can get paid. And that's not, I'm not saying that happens. I'm saying that's what they're trying to figure out. Um, Traditionally, when someone buys a house, and this is in the United States for the last, you know, 50 years, when they buy a house, the seller and the buyer side each get 3% of the purchase price. It's it's negotiable. Some models go flat fee. But the traditional listing agreement with that 3% on each side is usually invisible to the buyer. So buyer's agents advertise to buyers, get them on board to help them buy a house, make their 3%, and the buyer may not know or understand that that even happened. A research company that was there, 1,000 watt, uh, Brian Boero, talked about a recent survey they did where they surveyed a whole bunch of recent buyers and more than 20% of those buyers had no idea how their agent was paid. They looked at it and were like, I, I got the house. I, he helped out. And now he's asking me to send me his friends. I don't know how he got paid. Uh, more than 50% said the agent never even brought up how they were compensated. So they just don't even talk about it. And then at the end, they gave him a bunch of alternatives, ways that other countries do it. And more than 50% selected something besides what is currently happening. So they, they they thought other things would make it more transparent, anything from a flat fee to the buyer paying the commission directly. So <clears throat> that lack of transparency is what the Department of Justice is looking at. The U.S. is the only country in the world that does it this way. So just looking at other countries can give us loads of ideas of ways to do it different. Now, in the same way that I think it's interesting that during the open door conversation, there was a joy and a glee in the room around them being punished. As soon as we started talking about this part where the buyer's commission could change, the discussion kind of pivoted and said, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? And worst case scenario, buyer's commissions go away entirely. So all of a sudden buyers are being paid by the hour, flat fee, or on a second mortgage that the owner or the buyer has to take. But if they go away completely, that's half of the almost $80 billion that funds the real estate industry right now. That's where agents make all the money. And where it has a real downstream effect is that it, it could have a profound effect on models like Zillow's, uh, apartments.com, Redfin, and they advertise agents for the buyers and have motivation to collect leads to a buyer's agent when you request a tour. Because if you're not yet working with a buyer's agent, a buyer's agent can just advertise, pick up buyers, and make quite a bit of money 
doing that. And so it's a very profitable advertising column for Zillow. It's a very profitable space for buyers agents. But right after reveling in that shift that occurred with the fight against Open Door, agents started talking about how many bad agents were out there and how the squeeze could help to bring the number of agents back under control, saying that there's a lot of people that are casual agents and have only been around for a couple of years, something they've seen in the lead up to uh, 2007, 8, 9, when the last crash happened, is a lot of people see the money and get into it and aren't necessarily the best quality agents. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong or anything. I just think it's interesting that this is how quickly the room pivots and protects around the people that are there, right? So the people that are there, happy about open door. Then we start talking about taking money out of the pot. They go, well, maybe we need to get rid of some of the agents in the pot. And everybody in the room is not a bad agent, obviously, because they're there. Um, and that's, that's fascinating. I find that just so true to human nature, how quickly the tribal kind of efforts roll out. So it'll be interesting to see. Department of Justice got that underway, so we'll see what happens on the other side. There are some MLSs that are making changes and trying to get ahead of this. Uh, the Northwest MLS has some proposed solutions, um, and I think we're going to see a lot of movement in that direction to change that part of the industry, which is, I think that's a good thing. I think that transparency is a good thing. The last piece that kind of floated around here was the um, tech and money that's come into real estate. And this really ties in because of how much the commission piece is what funds everything. So a lot of these tech solutions are jumping in to get in on that highly lucrative commission piece. They're inserting themselves as discovery tools, controlling the lead side, or also acting as the broker and using that commission as part of the funding for their operations. This is where the companies that try and do all the things from mortgage to title to insurance are trying to figure out how to get those in as part of the, the scope. And so if they package everything together, there's a, a really nice control of the commission. There's also companies that are just inserting themselves in the buy process entirely. An example of this is Compass. They buy homes and when it comes time to sell them, they list them for a few weeks off of the MLS. Because they're not a realtor and they're not associated with the MLS, they can do this as an owner exemption. This period of time, this couple of weeks, means any buyers that come through are on the hook for figuring out how to get paid. Uh, Compass offers little or even no commission during that window. It's all negotiable, but they're really in that first two weeks, they're trying to sell without having that extra commission, which means a 6% difference between a traditional seller's profit, right? So by selling it that way, they have this, this big old 6% that sits there. So the pool of investors and real estate trusts, they get houses to be played more like the stock market. So there's everybody trying to find these points, these these percentages that make sense to insert themselves in and get a couple of points off of the points. So they're they're dealing in bips, but this friction, it's not new. It's just that a lot of people that are buying houses, the 150 million households in the United States, don't necessarily want to live in a securitized asset. They want to live in a home. And that's what it is for them. I think when you start playing a home's value like it's a stock market game, you can get more movement like the stock market, which has bad actors in it and it has retail investors and it has dark pools of money and it has all these the stuff that makes it a little bit less 
transparent to just buy a part of a company, which is how what it's purported to be. So in the same space, when you go and buy a house, how do you know what kind of underlying structures are selling it to you? How do you know which kind of underlying structures have a stake in your home? And how do you make sure that the house that you're living in doesn't turn into something that needs to be liquidated for uh, a multinational corporation to make their earnings call? That, that becomes a very strange place. Um, so that that was the mood at Inman. That was the conversations I was having. While I was there, though, I did get to speak to a few vendors about their products, and you can see if any of these are used to you. I think it was very interesting to find out what they're trying to solve. So I try to talk to vendors like I may use them for our own company or for some business that I know of and offer referrals. So if any of these guys have use to you, reach out to them. Please, please send them uh, any of your business that fits. Uh, the three that I spoke with was Matt Kushar at Showami. It's a company that has realtors able to show a home when you're unable. He has a great story about how the place was founded. I talked to Madeline Mitchell of Fixer. That's a PH Fixer. It's a photo editing and enhancing service to help your listings stand out. Then I spoke to Vance Miles of Acra Lending. They're a lending group that can help you buy your next investment property. They do owners mortgages as well, but the investment vehicles they have are, are pretty neat. I, I like the way that they check your income and then check the cash flow for properties. Um, enjoy. Reach out to them if you have any need of their products and services. We really appreciate you taking some time and hearing what I have to say about weird conferences that I go to. All about real estate at Inman Connect. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. All right, guys, we're here at Inman this week. So we're interviewing a lot of the people that are here with solutions for owners, residents, investors, people that are agents, people selling homes, people buying homes. And right now we're talking with Matt Kuchar of Shawami. Matt, nice to have you on the program. Uh, thanks for having me, Justin. It's great to be here. What a great event. It's been really fun, and it was it was hilarious because the whole reason that I tripped into Matt is that he's wearing the exact same orange suit jacket I am. <laughs> it's bizarre because you didn't get yours on Amazon. Where'd you no, get yours? No, just a storefront. We were looking online, and Google Perfect. told us, hey, these are orange suits, and we picked these out. <laughs> There's four of us with suits, and so we see you. We're like, it's our brother. Like, we're, How did you get this suit? Long lost welcome back to the nest moment. <laughs> Moment. It was great. It's funny because they're they're a Chinese jacket. That's where they're made. So the suits have the normal sizing in them: 38, yep. regular, 42 long. And mine in Chinese size is a 5XL. Do you know what yours right. is? I don't. I <laughs> let's don't, let's I don't check. Know. Where's your label? Uh, it's see. in it's in one of these. One there it is. Nope, that's your card. It's not there. Is it on that side? Yep. Oh, oh there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you? Uh, 4XL. 4XL. <laughs> we're, we're very large Chinese people. We are. Like, <laughs> well, and yeah. tall, right? <laughs> very, very tall Chinese people. No question. Um, so with that, let's pivot into what Shoami is and does. Who sure. it's a solution for. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So maybe I could tell a little bit about how I came up with the idea, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I'm also a real estate agent and you know, out of Denver is where I was at the time. And I tried to go skiing one and day. And you sell mostly in Denver or all over Colorado? or just um, At that point, it was the greater Denver area, the yeah. front range is what we call it. Yeah. So really busy, you know, doing 50, 60 deals a year just by myself, right? Yeah, so that's great. me and a TC. And I tried to go skiing. And I finally get up to the slopes. Me and my buddy, it's like, yes, it's a perfect day. And this, I get a call from a client like, oh, this home just came available in this neighborhood. And we're like... 
we got to go see it today. And at that point, everything was selling like in five seconds. So, yeah, what year is this? Um, this was 2014, okay. 20, 2015. Yeah, so this is when we're after the collapse, everything yep. started moving again. People are more comfortable. Okay. Yeah, and, and it was a, a really kind of bougie neighborhood, right? So oh, yeah. stuff didn't come up all the time. Yeah. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm at the slopes. Like, so I did what anybody would do, right? I'm, a, I'm at a KW office, and I just started calling and texting all my agents like, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? But I, no one was calling me back, and nothing was oh, going on. No. I'm like, so 45 minutes later, I finally get a hold of this girl, Laura, like, hey, can you help me? She's like, and it's worse is Friday, right? So nobody oh, yeah. wanted to go at 5 o'clock on Friday well, in downtown Denver. You were skiing. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you it's a big ask. So yeah. anyway, we were like, are we sharing the commission? Am I paying you? <laughs> How does this work? I'm like, it's just, these are my friends. Just I just need a door open. So anyway, paid her a hundred bucks, sold the home, but I was having a beer with a friend later and I'm like, yeah. we've got to come up with something better. Like it, I'm asking somebody in Highlands Ranch, which is 45 minute drive, to go yeah. to downtown Denver on a Friday at five. Like yeah. it would have been smart to pay somebody who was downtown Denver. Right. And so that's how we created it. It's kind of like, we need Uber for realtors. Yeah. And oh, interesting. so that's, that was the idea and it just kind of blossomed from there. So you know, what we do is we provide uh, showing agents on demand. Gotcha. So you can't be two places at once. Right. You just enter in a date time location. We find an agent in that area just to open the door. They're not trying to sell the house. They're not you. Right. They're just helping you to do something. You know, agents have always yeah. helped each other out. Yeah. Um, so. There's something interesting that they were talking about yesterday in one of the panels, and that was how there's this turn inside of an agent to kind of be very much focused on their own deals, focused on their own stuff. Yep. And a couple of companies, uh, Keller Williams for a while, and then EXP now, is trying to get those, uh, Redfin is another example, is yep. trying to get the agents that work for them to pivot and kind of be more of a team player and help yep. with Redfin's mortgage solution or EXP's mortgage partner. So when you're looking at this and providing this particular service, what kind of conflicts do you see? Because you're enlisting true agents. Like these are active right. agents right. in the space. So right. What's, right. how do they respond to the ask or how do they get onboarded? Sure, so like they understand the need. So mm -hmm. I think the first thing is understanding that we've all helped each other. We all can't be yeah. two places at once. What, when you look at, you mentioned Redfin, you yeah. mentioned some of the big KW teams, they use us, and Redfin doesn't, so I don't want to say <laughs> that they do, but they use showing agents. Right. So that enables that agent to handle maybe a lot more buyers. So this is kind of efficiency. the group where you have a head agent, and then as new agents come on, they're like, okay, you're going to do showings for three yes. days this week, because that's what you're doing. That's what okay. you're doing, right. And, we're, and they're getting paid. Right. So in a lot of these models, they just do it for free. Where with us, yeah. that showing agent, you know, they, they're getting paid to go out, they get market knowledge, right? Yep. Like, I didn't know what a home in this neighborhood cost, now I do. Well, that's true. They get showing experience. It's like, okay, now I know how to go to the MLS, search the property, schedule it through showing time or whatever they're using. Yeah. They get that experience. Plus, we try to coach them to go, hey, while you're out there, take a picture of yourself in front of the house. Hey, out showing homes today, <laughs> put it on your social media. So it, yeah, it's not your buyer you're showing, yeah. but you're active in real estate. So yeah. now they're, they're getting paid, they're using their license, it helps with retention, yeah. and 
that person's now telling the world that they're in real estate because they're out in front of a house showing it. It's brilliant. Yeah, if you talk to Frederick, you could get a special segment on his little <laughs> real app and then you'd be all over it. I need to, yes. I saw that yesterday. I need to research we'll, it. We'll pin him down when he's at one of the parties or something today. Yes. Like, you need us. Yes, come on. <laughs> oh, he's so like nosebleed above everybody. So it's like, oh, he's a, he's he's a, a cool guy. We're not going to talk about Frederick Matt on this program. No, no. <laughs> um, so, so with Shawami, what kind of markets do you service? Are you mostly in Colorado or have you gotten... You're here in Nevada for NARPM, so. Yeah, we're, so we're in 50 states. Okay. So we're, it works especially well around any major metro area, okay? Yeah. So, because there's a lot of agents and there's a lot of competition, so that's, that's our big niche. Yeah. It's a little bit harder, like when we were in Colorado, you've got showings up in the mountains, it's a 45 yeah. to an hour minute, or an hour drive. We could get them picked up, but you're going to pay a little bit more because you're paying an agent to drive out there to gotcha. show that house. So it's very much in a task rabbit kind of space where exactly. the harder the job is, the more it's going to cost, but we'll get it done. Yeah. And, and now we're started. We just launched into open houses, open the doors for inspectors. So a lot of um, rentals. People yeah. People are using us for rentals like because the people moved out, they're out of state, yeah. they need someone to get in and just show the house and they can handle the, the contract themselves. So there's anything that an agent would do, Yeah, that's kind of the way that we're going. So I'm going to do a slight pivot on this and talk about uh, Poplar Homes and like one of our needs, because this might actually be something where we could work together on. Sure. Um, one of the big transitions we have is when somebody signs up to our platform and we take the keys. Yep. We take the keys, we get a lockbox set up, we get on the house we get it ready for all of the, the services that are gonna be provided, right? Sure. So from the inspections to cleanings to any repairs that need done, pool services, all that stuff. Yep. First thing we've gotta do is get the keys. Right. Um, is that something that you guys are capable of doing and just doing that initial meet, hello, hi, we're gonna take these from you, we're gonna put them in a box and set it up? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Then so we'll what find... you would do is you would just have to put that in the, the notes. So you can, you're gonna get the agent's name and phone number, but it's good to, we have a public notes and a private notes. So that when the agent sees the request coming yeah. in, they can understand exactly gotcha. what you're asking them to do. Absolutely. Gotcha. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, that's a really good move for us. So we're going to be in touch and chase down and find a further ways to work together. Sounds uh, good. Beyond that, if anybody listening wants to avail themselves of your services, where do they find you? Sure, just go to shawami.com, www.showami.com. You got a .com, that's great. Every once in a while, a .co comes through, and it's a really challenging one because everybody gets autocorrected to .com. Yeah, yeah. Shawami.com. Great. Yeah. Well, it was fantastic talking to you, Matt. We really appreciate it. You too. Thank you so much, Justin. We're shaking hands around the microphones and knocking yes, everything and over. Knocking it down. Okay, give it a minute. So we're gonna do room noise again, and then we're gonna talk about news. Okay. Hey guys, we're still here at Inman, and we're gonna talk with the founder of Shawami again, Matt Kushar. So. As you've been developing your product, after your ski trip, after you figured out that everybody needed a way to open doors when they sure. were unavailable, what have you seen in the market in the last couple of years? So you've been around since 2016? So, uh, yeah, I've, about, I've been an agent since 2000. So yeah, I've oh, been, this is, yeah, this rolled in as a problem you have as an agent that needed a solution. Yes. So you just found a way to solve it. Yes. So in that solve and in that last several years, what have you seen that kind of messes with realtor access, agent access? and having that utility there. Sure, so I think in some ways, agents have become more t territorial, kind of okay. like, you know, we always have to get along with each other, right? Right. But for a while there, there were, I'm gonna kinda market this property to my sphere and people and try to double dip it. So uh, there was yeah. a little bit of that that was going on uh, in the market. Um, but I doubt 
Are you talking just as far as Shawami or as far as the market in general? Or Let me reframe this because I've been okay. in the business since about 2015. Okay. That's in real estate and doing real estate marketing. Sure. It was on the owner-operator side, though, where I worked for um, a company who owned a whole bunch of rental homes, and then we'd rent them out. So Got it. owner, okay. owner um, exceptions for almost everything. Okay, yeah. But one of the things that we encountered was that when we were initially doing it through third parties, all of these little things are these incidental costs, right? And one of them was scheduling a showing, getting an agent there, especially for a rental. Sure. It's much harder to get somebody to come out and show a rental yes. than it is to show a house. The, the margins are much different. You're talking about a, a $2,000 to $20,000 contract instead of a, a $50 to $100,000 contract, right? right? So it's, right. A, it's a very different space. So one of the things that's come up in the last several years is remote showing options, right? Yes. So you have uh, lock boxes on the home or smart locks, yep. and then you can provide access. Yes. So do you see that coming into your space at all, or are most of the places you're showing occupied, so you need to have somebody there? Right, right. So I think the, the ones that are occupied, obviously you need to have an agent. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, you see it with Open Door, you see it with a lot of these um, institutional buyers. Mm -hmm. They have come up with a way that you know agents or even just consumers can access yeah. that home without an agent being there. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a way of the future. There's no question. That genie's out of the box. It's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So in that, what does that mean for Showami? Is that anything that you're looking at trying to integrate with, or is there a future that you are a digital provider more than a person provider? I haven't really thought about that. Okay. Um, I think, you know. Obviously, that is a competitor because if you're not using a human, right? Right. There goes my showing agent job. He doesn't. You don't need him, right? right? And so, I mean, maybe our solution is a 10-year, 15-year solution, and then by that time, yeah. the market will morph and, and there'll be a different way. I think agents will always be involved. Yeah. Right? Oh, I agree. So, so there's a. I don't know what the horizon is, but it's really interesting to watch what's happened in the last 30 years across real estate. And I'm yep. sure you've seen the same stuff that, that I have where as technology advances, there is a territorialness to a lot of agents where they don't want to do it the new way. Right. Um, we encounter agents who still have stacks of paper and they sign right. in and send faxes. And <laughs> it's, it's fine Lord. and I get that and title companies like that sometimes, but as the tech goes, it kind of drags real estate forward. And I, I, I was wondering, as you look at it, what do you think has been the hardest thing for agents to adapt to as technology advances? Sure. That it's constantly changing. Mm. I, th I think the constant change, like even for me as an agent, I'm, I'm here at this conference and I see all these amazing tools, right? And yeah. I'm like, and, and they're pitching me and they're going like, oh, it can you know, geofence your property and anybody who walks in that circle gets an alert on their phone and, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That would be really useful because, you know, but then how do I use that? Right. How do I put that technology into practice? Right. And there's so many options. You're trying to figure out what will I actually use, yeah. right? What's a good idea? What would be a, a nice to have? But what am I really going to use? What's yeah. functional? Because, I mean, even my websites, right? You, I mean, all right. of us have websites. And yeah. whether, you know. It's a lot different than the park benches from the 90s. Yeah, it's like, it's our business card. But, like, how, what do I do to drive people to that? But my, my website has so much more functionality. I use maybe 5% of what that thing Oh, you're talking about, like, do. the back end. Yeah, like, when you're looking end. at what you're doing? Yeah. 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 So, again, that's, the, that's a challenge for technology 
and we could focus on it, it's still at the bottom line, it's a relationship business. Yeah. Right? It's me and you, it's me and my client, relationship. That's what we're trying to build. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, is there anything else that you see uh, trending that you're eager to take advantage of or looking forward to? Sure. Um, yeah, I think specialization. So okay. there's definitely, I mean, we're all generalists to some extent, but there are people. Yeah, it's hard agents, not to be as an agent. Yeah, right. yeah. You're like, oh, don't. I'm not going to sell you that home. <laughs> I'm not going to work with the buyer. That's that's hard. But I think you're seeing, you know, agents who want to specialize. Like I've got one agent uh, out of Arizona that. He's, he works with listings, but he didn't want to work with the buyers and he would refer them out. So now he's changing his mind going like, you know what, if I don't have to show the homes, I'm totally good with this. So he's huh. using Shawami just to show them, and but he doesn't have to actually go out and do that. But he writes yeah. the contracts, he does everything else. I think that's the specialization, you know. He, yeah. he can, he instead of referring it out and getting a 25% referral, now he keeps 100%, but he's paying you know, maybe 500 in showing fees. Yeah, so I think what you're saying is something that we've seen a lot with um, the progression of technology and what it does. Is it in, especially with agents being such generalists, yep. things like Showami, things like the uh, digital MLS are yep. force multipliers where you don't have to go and leaf through and go, hey, you got a three bed, two bath that's in this neighborhood. Right. You're just going and you find it now. Yep. That immediacy is amazing. Yep. And so if all you're doing is setting up deals, setting up showings, you're saving a lot of drive time. Yeah. You're saving a lot of non-phone time, and all of a sudden you can do twice as much work because yep. you've offloaded your most laborious piece. Yep. Your time-consuming. That makes piece. a lot of sense. It's, le it's leverage, right? Yeah. And and I, one of the what, forget what the speaker was. It wasn't Mike Laprete. It was another speaker, and they're talking about what the agents want today, right? Yeah. And a lot of these companies in here are going like, we're going to take you to two hundred thousand GCI. We're going to take you to 400, 500. And one of the speakers was I thought was brilliant. She's like. A lot of the agents don't want that. They want their life back. They yeah. want more time. They want time with their family. They want that. They they don't want it to interfere with their life. They yeah. want to. They, you know, they want a career. They love their career, but they want more flexibility. You're sitting there pitching this person. Oh, well, I'm going to make you this super, you know, duper. You're going to do 80 transactions, and that person's like. Going like, don't do that to me. I have yeah. no time as it is. Like, <laughs> I don't want that. You know, yeah. I want time. And so I think. And any technology or any business that can give agents back time, they're going to find valuable. I think that's a really interesting take with how forward everybody is into capitalism. It's the lean forward. It's the you can tell how well you're doing by how much money you made. Right. But what you're saying, and this rings really true for a lot of the agents I've spoken to, is one of the reasons they chose this profession in the first place is for the flexibility of time. Right. You know, they're raising kids, they've got a handoff with the other parent, yep. and going back and forth and getting that done means they have the flexibility to schedule things and yep. get stuff right. Yep. So instead of having people that go, I want to be the next million dollar listing star, right. more agents go, I want to have a balance between my work and my life. Yep. And I want to be able to do that while still making 50 to 120 thousand dollars a year and yep. be comfortable with everything yeah that makes that. a lot of sense yeah 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 because yeah. i'm i'm with my i'm i'm seeing that top agent and his life is falling apart because yeah. he's never with his kids or his yeah. wife but you know i'm making enough right it's yeah. enough yeah and i'm happy what more can you ask for yeah i like that i like that a lot matt yep uh again let's tell everybody what your website is so they can come find you sure uh <laughs> Shawami.com, S-H-O-W-A-M-I.com. And it's probably not going to have as many life lessons as you just got from <laughs> Matt, but uh, 
do go check them out and get a little bit more leverage in your life. So we're still at Inman and we're talking to vendors and right now we've got Madeline Mitchell with Fixer here for us. Uh, it's Fixer and it's pH. So it is. Why is it pH and not an F? I mean, it's photo fixer combined. Oh, that makes sense. As, isn't that awesome? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, perfect. This is the first time I started seeing like letters and words replaced with other letters, clever like that. Everybody thought it was weird, and it was when right. people were trying to get names on AOL and stuff, uh -huh. and they were taken. So they're like, <laughs> oh, well, I'll use a three instead of an e. <laughs> yeah. So. Your no. lead speak. Fixer is lead speak. It is. It is. It's awesome. It's a great brand name. A lot of people spell it wrong at first, but it's, Do they? it's pretty so unique. So is it fixer.com? Fixer.net. Dot net. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't go to .com. Go to dot .net. Dot .net. Yep. And, and phxer.net, not yep. fxer.net. Yep. P-H-I-X-E-R. Perfect. Yep. So what is your platform? What does it do? Who's it for? So we edit photos for real estate agents and real estate photographers. We are kind of catered to both agents and photographers, brokerages, realtors. It's an awesome platform that allows our, our editors to upgrade your photos so that you can sell your homes for more. Gotcha. Are, yours, are your editors in the States? Are you offshoring? How, how do you kind of make this mm -hmm. work? So we have our customer support team, our marketing team, sales team, all in the U.S. We have a team in the Philippines that manages all of our edit editing quality, and our editing is all outsourced. That's um, fantastic. To Where in the countries. Philippines? They're in Cebu. Oh, nice. Where yes. uh, a lot of our employees are in Davao. Oh, that's cool. Like we have a support cool. staff that runs out of oh, Davao. That's a lot awesome. of my marketing team is in Davao. Like I'm thrilled with their work. It, they so. have been so fun to work with. It's been so cool too because the owner of this company is so. He wanted to go and develop his business somewhere where he, he could give people an opportunity who weren't set up for success the same way we are in the U.S. Right. So he really is just all in to make sure that the employees in the Philippines are happy and feel successful. That's great. This is, this is kind of like that angle where an uncle is a real estate agent and has a cousin that's in school for graphic design and goes, <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple extra bucks because you can do this better than I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... What do you see as the biggest benefit to having the photos edited, retouched, and kind of changed? Oh, there's so many, but really when you look at a before and after, and I was just like flipping through a magazine the other day of some yeah. homes, and I mean, they didn't pop off the page. I was like, oh dang, like I don't, I don't know if this home is really beautiful or not, you know, <laughs> yeah. even though I know it was a multi-million home, but it didn't pop off the page. When you retouch your photos and have an expert editor doing it, it can just upgrade your listing. There's so many statistics that show that when you have professionally edited photos, the homes do sell for more. So when you get the photos from the agent, has the agent usually invested in professional photography already and then just needs the retouches? Or are they giving you iPhone shots? Sometimes both. Okay. Sometimes both. Honestly, the iPhone shots aren't always going to be as good as a professional photographer. But if they're in a bind, they can download our app and take some tips and take photos on their phone and upload them to Fixer. Oh, Super so, easy. So the app has adjustments in it already? Yeah, it has, you know, it has some tips. So Does it have a filter so the house looks like it's full of bunnies? No, that would be awesome. That would though. trend. It would. <laughs> no, it'll have some tips that they can just swipe through so that they take kind of the right photos so our editors can retouch gotcha. them the best that they can. Yeah. So 
there's kind of a gradation of where you can affect the quality of the photo, right? Right. And one is in the staging of the house itself. Right. I think the next one is in how you take the pictures, mm -hmm. and then the third one is in how you edit the pictures or touch up the pictures. Right. You guys are mostly focused on that third one, right? Yeah, but you know, we do virtual staging as well. What's that? So we have an awesome, an awesome catalog. We've worked with designers, architects who really have just gone in to make sure our staging catalog is it's luxury, it's unique, and it's so realistic. So it's catalog of furniture? Uh, it's a furniture catalog. Okay. So they can just scroll through and decide what rooms they like, and yeah. they can just choose that room, and we'll put it into their, their room that they've uploaded, the photo they've uploaded. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if somebody's going out there and they're going to go take the photos, what's the best way for them to take photos that they can then turn over to you and get staged? Well, I, if it's a real estate agent and they've hired a professional photographer already, mm -hmm. the home's empty, they can upload those photos up to F Fixer and then we'll just stage those. If the photographer has already edited them and returned to them, yeah. that's great. They can also just take them on their phone and upload them. They obviously want to make sure that they're not, you know, doing those little things like zooming in on their phone, they should actually step back or step forward. You know, those little things, just making sure that your photo quality as, is as pure as possible. What she's talking about right there is the difference between digital and optical zoom, and this is something that people get hung up on all the time. On the newest, bestest iPhones, they've got three cameras, right? They got yeah. a wide angle, a mid, and a telephoto. Yeah. And each one of those is a pure zoom. Right. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. I think, 0.51 and 1.4 or 3. I don't mm -hmm. remember what the top one is, but there's three different zooms. Mm -hmm. Those are taking whole pictures with true pixels. Mm -hmm. If you zoom in past that, all you're doing is making pixels bigger. You're not adding any more information to the scene. It's a lot better to have the full photo and crop in right. than to try and fluff it. Right. Um, okay. So they get those and they get them into you. And then how do they, how do you guys decide what to stage with? Do you give them the whole catalog of mm -hmm. furniture and go, go shopping? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have five, five home styles, contemporary, Scandinavian, traditional, modern, and farmhouse. And we have a whole, you know, list of different rooms, kitchen styles, outdoor living styles that they can just choose what furniture assortment they like best. And they'll just, it's a drop down. It's so easy. They'll just choose what mm -hmm. they like and submit. And are those like 3D models that then you can put in the photo however you want? Or does it have to be at a certain angle? Mm, like you can no. only get the front of this couch. Right. <laughs> no, our editors are so savvy. They, <laughs> it's, it's gonna go to our editors who actually they do 3D animation. They draw lines on the huh. photos to make sure that it is as realistic as possible. They do artificial shadows, artificial lights to make sure the furniture sits right. And they are really, like I said, savvy. So they're going to make sure that the furniture looks like it belongs and it's okay. in the right places. So they'll play around a little bit with what you choose. Interesting. Let's pivot a little bit. How'd you get into real estate photography? Um, by chance. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of people in real estate either go for the money or just bump into this on accident. Yeah. So, uh, no. Tell us that story. I, um, I was working a, in customer service before I got this job with Fixer. It has been awesome, but I found it on LinkedIn. I thought it was a good opportunity, a, a mutual connection, reached, reached out and shared it on their feed. So I, that's kind of how it happened, and I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to grow. How does it change the process for you when you're looking at a house to rent or buy? I think I'm just looking at it a little bit more critically, I think, <laughs> like with yeah. a little bit, um, little bit more of a, yeah, a tighter lens, I think. Okay. But I, 
I'm just happy to have a place to live, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now I think everybody's happy if they're in and have a roof over their head right. while we watch yeah. the world change a lot. Um, so what do you think are the current trends, fashions, kind of things that will affect what Fixer does now and how mm -hmm. they do it in the future? Well, I mean, people just want things done quick and they want things done with little effort. So a project we're working on and we're hoping that we can launch it soon is to create an all-inclusive where you can book your photographer through Fixer and then your photographer and editing is done all in one just through us, mm. a one-stop shop. So because we know that people want things done quickly, and yeah. want to be as hands-off as possible. That's what we're hoping that we can do. Yeah. But until that rolls out, probably in the next year or two, yeah. it, it's really just going to be making it easy to use. Fixer is so user-friendly, and it's, I, I mean, we're always, always, we're, we're always trying to make our process better. Gotcha. Can you talk about the origin of the company? How long has it been around? Mm -hmm. what, what What's the founder's name? We haven't the founder's name, he's so. Josh Phoenix. Okay. So he, PH? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, PH. PH. Oh, PH. perfect. It makes perfect sense. Yes. He's, he's got the lead speak name too. I know, I know. So he's he started out as a photographer. He opened his own photography business for real estate and he realized that he was spending so much time taking these photos and not enough time with his family or marketing his business because he was taking the photos, editing the photos. It was like an 18 hour day every day. Yeah. So that's why he, he was like, there has to be a better solution. And that's when he started, you know, branching out to the Philippines and thinking, okay, what can we do? So I don't have to edit all day and we can give other people an opportunity to earn an income. So that's where it got started. And over time he's He's developed um, an awesome software that manages our editors, actually. Hmm. So we've, it, he's really, really, really awesome. I think you'd be so impressed with him if you met him. He's so analytical. Is so he here? No, he's not oh, here. Oh, see? I know. And, you know, he doesn't like attention, also. Yeah, he's a photographer, so he prefers to be behind the camera than in yeah. front of it? Yeah. Got it. So he sends you guys out to represent yeah. the company. <laughs> okay, so how long, so he was doing that, and then when did he start Fixer? So he started Fixer 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while, uh, it's been around for a while, but we really just have focused on finding big partnerships yeah. with larger companies and not so much on marketing to the individual agents and photographers, which we've been doing more so in the past couple of years. Gotcha. So for a long time, you're just looking for the big fish and now you're going for all the fish. Yes. Coming. Yeah. Great. Um, so again, if they want to find you and track you guys down, the website is? Fixer.net. Fixer.net, and that's a PH and a dot .net, not an F and a com. Right. Okay. Yep. A little <laughs> confusing, but you can find us. I wonder what Fixer.com is with an F. Now I'm going to look at that too. It's probably Honest, a handyman service. Yeah, it's a little confusing. I don't yeah. know. So remember, it's photography, so it's Fixer. P-H-I-X-E-R.net. Yes. All right, great. Thank you very much, Madeline. Oh, you're welcome. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy the rest of Inman. Thank you. Hey everybody, we're still here at Inman talking to a bunch of the vendors and people that are out here representing what their products are. Uh, with us right now is Vance Miles. He's over at Acra Lending. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about his product, which is on the mortgage side? That's correct, Justin. Okay, so how would you describe your product uh, to somebody that doesn't know how mortgages work and how different kinds of mortgages are uh, bought, sold, and procured? Well, that's an easy question to answer. <laughs> well, <you know. laughs> anyway. We're going to go no. for the big stuff first. Hey, hey, let's hit it straight up. I love it. All right. So you're self-employed. I specialize in working with self-employed people. I don't want tax returns. Don't need them. Don't want a 4506. 
I'm going to qualify you off your bank statements. How about that? Because that's the truth. We see what you're putting through your bank account. It could be personal or business, right? Yeah. And let's just look at the truth. So Why you're not? talking about the true cash flow exactly. and not worrying about don't, I don't, yeah, no. and two years of tax returns. Yeah, forget that. Forget it. Okay. So don't want it. Don't need it. Don't care. So simple process. If we like the loan, we like the way those numbers check out, we'll approve it, we'll fund it, and you'll send us your monthly payments. That sounds like an easy way to do a mortgage. We think so, too. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, the other thing that we like doing is your investment properties. Okay, Big so like deal these days. Airbnbs, long-term rentals. Exactly. Both, actually. Fix and flip. We'll do that, too. Okay, so you'll Boy, take any kind of property. Uh, not any kind okay, of property. It's my collateral, so we do pay attention <laughs> to that. We do full appraisals. But anyway, um, with the cash flow qualifying for investment properties, we're going to give credit for 100% of the rent. Now, whether that's currently occupied and the buyer is coming in with an existing tenant, if not, the appraiser will provide us with what the average rents are for the area. And we'll okay. run off of that. Who cares what the form is? It's a 1007, but all right. Now we know. Now. I didn't know it was a 1007. A, there's a new advent out where there's AirDNA. And oh, you yeah. can see mm -hmm. what the Airbnb looks like in that area yeah and so we've got all kinds of tools with technology these days that we can go to and look at and and whatnot and the amcs the appraisal management companies have gotten onto it they're now oh you want a short term 1007 okay <laughs> we'll make sure to look for those so we do a lot of it in florida along the eastern seaboard of course the western seaboard as well where it's very ripe for the you know airbnb type vrbo business yeah they're pretty flush so i appreciate two things right off the bat one is when you're saying uh 1007s and amc you're immediately explaining them which i appreciate not knowing that much <laughs> right? of the mortgage side. yeah you know we're lenders we have our own language and no yeah. one else but us seems to understand it so so, you know, three-letter acronyms, all that kind of stuff, you know. If this was on TV, we'd have to have a full third on the side. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like thinking half, more like half, Justin. As long as we have the space for it, right? we'll do it. Yeah, but right now it's just going to be footnotes of me cutting in going, well, I Googled and I think this is what I it is. I think that's what he's talking about. <laughs> The, the Air, DNA thing, Air DNA thing is interesting as a way to uh, prove the viability of a loan. Um, yeah. That's that's a very different tack than what I've seen, and that's a very different tack than we've seen the mortgage industry do after how conservative it's been after the crash. Yeah. Were, were you in mortgage lending during the crash? Yeah. I started this back in the dark ages of 1983. And oh, my so God. I've that's done like 12% rates, exactly. right? 15% rates. People Those were, were huge. excited by 1985 <laughs> to get a nine and three quarters 30-year fixed. Yeah, it's They amazing. were thanking me, <laughs> it's promising me their firstborn child, you know, th silly things like that. Oh Meanwhile. God. You do get to edit this, don't you? I'm yeah, yeah, I'll cut everything out. <laughs> Meanwhile. So whoever owes Vince a firstborn child, you got your yeah. Vance a firstborn child, you got to get back in here and produce. All right? That's right. <laughs> oh, go okay, big so or you go started, home. You started back in the 80s. Yeah, I started. So I've watched a, a whole bunch of things transpire. I remember when stated income came in, and now it's a dirty word and all yeah. that. And, you know, um, there had to be some common sense lending. So what happened is in 2009, the company started under the name of Citadel Servicing. And frankly, you're going to write your monthly payment to Citadel Servicing if we lend to you. Okay, so you fine. don't sell the mortgage? We securitize the mortgage and we do it service retained. Got it. So 
um, you know, that way I don't get left with a bunch of coupons at four and a half on my warehouse line of credit and yeah. I'm like going bankrupt. That's not yeah. a good idea. No. Not a good business plan. No, not at all. So, um, no, we have a very strong capital markets group. We're going to market probably about every two weeks with a couple hundred million in mortgage-backed securities. Again, service retained, right. meaning we collect the monthly right. payment. So origination side, we're out as Acra Lending. We did the DBA. You still cut your check for that monthly payment, though, to Citadel Servicing. That's the servicing arm. Right. Just a slight distinction between origination and then ops, if so you will. Let's talk about something in there real quick that sure. I think is interesting because it's something that I didn't know until I bought the first property I bought. And that's that. <laughs> Lots of you stuff. Get, yeah, in the first month of your mortgage, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I've got a month till I make my first payment. Right. And in that time, you get mail from everybody on the planet. And their brother and sister. And their brother and sister saying, hey, we're affiliated with your lender. We're going to give you insurance oh, yeah. on this. There's all these products that flow yeah. through. And then there's one or two that are really important that says, we just bought your loan. Yes. And your loan is not going to be paid by the other or to the other to company. the other guy anymore. You're now going to make that check to me. And you're looking. You have two payment coupons. Thank you for the same period of time. And your other mortgage servicer yeah. hasn't reached out and said, "Oh, we sold your loan. It's gone." Yeah, a lot so, of the competition does that, and that can create a lot of confusion. There's supposed yeah. to be an interim period, but that seems to get missed. It. You're absolutely right. You hit one spot on. Yeah. It is. Uh, uh, challenging. <laughs> I, I was going to say something else, but we're, we're recording, so I'll behave. I'm, uh, I'm not in the mortgage industry, so I can say it. I think, there, I think there's, there's a thing that happens in a lot of stuff around real estate okay. where it's so regulated and so controlled by yes. legal strictures yes. that people know it in and out if they do that one part of the thing, whether it's title, whether it's escrow, whether it's mortgage, Correct. whether it's showings, whether it's, it's the buying side, the selling side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will buy maybe twice in their whole life. Right. If you're not an investor and you're just a normal guy that owns a house and then goes, well, I'm going to rent this one and move to Texas. Thank you. You don't know how all this stuff works. <laughs> and then once you've gone through that lending process, you don't want to do it again. No, no, no it's not it, It's like, oh, heck no. It I'd rather not. get a root canal. Thank it you. It is not good. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, to that end, we try to make it simple. We're asking for common sense documentation. Show me your income. Look, a loan is comprised of three major components, credit, capacity, and collateral. Collateral is the property. Mm -hmm. Capacity is your income. That's your ability to repay the debt. And right. credit's credit. You, yeah. know, you got your score. It's yeah. great or it's not great. I'll allow for some credit-challenged borrowers. I'm not looking for hard money loans, but, you know, bad things happen to good people. Yeah. Tell me what happened. If it works, if it makes sense, cool. I'll work with it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So let's sure. keep going with the story because I do think this is interesting. So All right. it's Citadel, sure. and you're in the 80s, yeah. and then you roll through and... Well, I'm in the 80s. Citadel in the 80s. started in 09. Okay, got it. So okay. it's a lot younger than me. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, so Citadel started in 09, so it's coming out of the, the crash. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, so how do you get in and stabilize after watching everything fall down around the mortgage industry's ears? Well, what you do is you... You have the right relationships, which the founder did. You get the warehouse lines of credit because we don't just have cash sitting around and write checks for people. Yeah, that'd you be do great, it off, but I don't. Know, not quite that good. <laughs> you need a, a great big um, warehouse. Who's line the of uncle credit. in uh, the Ducktales oh, thing? Right? Scrooge McDuck. That's you need it. A big Scrooge money McDuck. You need a rich uncle to write the checks. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we're we're not, we're not going to do a Donald Duck mortgage. Yeah, yeah, do that. No, not going <laughs> to no. happen. Oh. Okay. Sip a coffee moment. 
So you have that space where you're pulling on all of your relationships for collateral to get this back up and started. And that's where the founder had all those relationships. Exactly. It was a a known commodity. So we did. We went ahead and launched in 2009. Um, Prior to the meltdown, you had Altay, which a classic example might be an IndyMac. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So and then you had subprime. And, yeah. you know, I worked for a company by the name of Saxon Mortgage, identical business model to what Acra has right back in the day. They got bought out by Credit Suisse or somebody who cares. <laughs> Same business model. Right. Oh, eight happens for, you know, everything's gone unless you're working for a bank. Right. Well, yeah. the need is still there. There's still self-employed people. Right. They still write everything off on the planet. How do you do yeah. this? So one of the things that came out of the regulatory body was I as a lender, because I am regulated. Right. Just because I'm a non-prime or non-QM. Well, you're still considered a fiduciary, right? Correct. So you have a so responsibility to the money. Loans the- or okay. non-trid loans and all that happy stuff. Okay. So what I am tasked with doing to the regulators is demonstrating that any given borrower I want to lend to has the ability to repay. ATR. Now, there's the rule. So ATR is not an off-road vehicle with four wheels that goes really fast in the city. No, oh. that that's my car at home. Gotcha. Yeah, the rock <laughs> hopper. And uh, okay, okay. So, so ability, ATR is the core. Like that's it the is. Most it's what I part. need to. I need to do two things. I need to a demonstrate the ability to repay. So that's one positive that came out of the meltdown was we're not doing this again. Right? Yeah. So let's show that the borrower has the ability to repay. What they've given us is the liberty and the freedom to be creative in how we do that. Okay. Hence, bring in the bank statements. Right. If 12 months gets the job done, fantastic. If I need to go to 24 because the picture looks better and the average over 24 months is bigger to qualify, then fine. And where will that normally happen? Is that somebody that does such large deals much more infrequently? Like when you're looking at two years instead of a year, like how well, does that? Okay, so what out? we're what what, the category that we're in is in the capacity category mm-hmm. of those three C's: credit, right. capacity, collateral. That's your ability to repay. Right. So that's where this is all coming out of. Gotcha. If what I'm going to do with those bank statements, I'm going to take every month's deposit. I'm going to add all 12 months together. I'm going to yeah. divide by 12. Right? Yeah. There's a few other things that you get applied to it, depending upon some other factors. But don't get in the weeds with it. There's the monthly income I'm going to qualify you off of. Right. Now, let's say that for whatever reason in your industry, maybe it was supply chain issues. I don't know. So okay. That seems Got to be it. a buzzword. Yeah. It's a better look back to do 24 months because the average monthly income is higher. Right. 12 months, let's use the number 8,000. Yeah. But if I go 24, that number increases to 10,000. Gotcha. Now I qualify for a lot more home. Gotcha. Okay. Right? That makes sense. And Especially then, with what we've just been through. Exactly, Everything changed during COVID. Exactly. So to be able to balance out that negative space is really right. good. Now, yeah, I mentioned there, needed, there was two things I had to do. The other one is benefit to the borrower. Well, on a purchase, that's really simple. You yeah. get a house. <laughs> we also do refinances, so a little plug there for the company. But okay. anyway. You will so, take it. <laughs> yeah, th- there it is. And then, you know, with the investment properties, so bank statements, we're going to use that if you're going to live in the house. All right. Right. It's your primary residence. Right. Now let's shift gears for just a moment and go over to the investment properties. Single family, two to four units. Right. Yeah. The market's not terribly keen on multiple units right now. They're a little nervous. I think everybody's well aware of this. Okay. So fine. Let's use 100% of the rental income that that building can generate. 
and I'm going to take that and I'm going to divide that by the monthly payment. Yeah. I, I'd like it to break even. I'd like it to positive cash flow. But wait, there's more. I'll allow up. I'll allow negative rental income. How does that gap get closed then? I look to the borrower to okay. have some cash reserves to cover that. Gotcha. Okay. Right. And then, you know, rents are going to increase. And so over time, it'll go up at whatever rate it's allowed to. And then it'll get yeah. to a point where it's a break even and then eventually positive cash flow. Most investors aren't looking for a negative cash flow deal. No, they're looking for positive <laughs> cash flow right off the bat to aid in that process. What we can do is bring some features in to play. Okay. And one of those main features would be an interest only payment. Gotcha. So that's when you're not actually, you say you're uh, the 70% that you're talking about, right? If mm -hmm. you're sitting at that 70% and trying to get that straightened out, you can just pay interest only and hope to get rebalanced in that time. Well, what'll happen when you deploy the interest only is now you're going to have some positive cash flow mm -hmm. and you can make principal reduction. Uh, we're, we're okay with it. that. It's all about the ability to get that building, however many units it is, one to four, to cash flow, either break even or be positive. And it's all the other side of qualifying that comes into play with a 10-year IO is we're going to qualify that one at the interest-only payment. Interesting. So, yeah, again, bigger sales price. Right. Now they can qualify for more. Interesting. And so, so in that, I know that the... The stated income was the biggest problem going right. into uh, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, that's what pushed that into the wrong side of the equation. It did. So you guys are moving away from stated income and looking directly at bank statements. So you Correct. can't say, oh, I make a lot of money. It's just in cash under my mattress. Yeah. Right? It's, exactly. It's show me the money. No problem. Where is it? Right? <laughs> uh, and then the other thing you guys are doing is making it so that there's a way to kind of shift where the payments land and watch for the principal reduction and possibly rent increases to close that gap. If you're referencing why I will and what was the justification in our mind's eye mm -hmm. to allow for negative rents, yeah. then I would generally concur with what you just said. Okay, fair. Um, so most of our uh, owners own two, maybe three houses. They're not right. huge portfolios. Right. So when somebody already has a rental property, mm -hmm. the rental property just counts as income then to you guys? Correct. Okay. So it's yeah. just flowing through and it's right there. We let the payment, and so it's got its its inherent income. Mm -hmm. We're going to wash that against the monthly payment. Whatever's left over, positive or negative, will be either added as income or be added as an additional gotcha. debt. Because a lot of times with our owners, a lot of that income is just wiped out by depreciation expenses. And I don't want your so schedule E though. That's, that's right, the beauty that's right. of what I do. And Doesn't need it. Don't forget, I'm given 100% credit on the actual rent that's coming in. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm not taking 75% or the Schedule E where you now you're down to, let's say you had 2000 a month in actual rent coming in. Right. By the time you're done looking through the Schedule E, it's whittled it down to 500 Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Not my right. idea that's of a fantastic. good time. No, it does. It adds a lot of flexibility, adds a lot of buying power. I'm looking at the truth. Right. right. I see the leases, if they're currently occupied, they're going to show me that they've received rent for the last three months. So right. we don't, you know, simple, yeah, very, that's easy. very simple. Let's talk a little bit more globally now. All right. So where do you see the mortgage market kind of going with the recent massive shift in rates wow, <laughs> that's happened in the last three weeks? That's a big question. How long do we have to answer that one? I, I don't have a meeting for a while. <laughs> I don't right? Just ideas. I mean, this right, is, nobody knows, right? No, nobody does. This, you know, but. and the Fed was nice enough to crack it an additional three quarters here, yeah. not too far back. I think 
uh, a lot, me personally, I think a lot will settle down coming into the first quarter of 23. Okay. We're looking to that. I think the markets will have relaxed by then. It's a lot of nerves right now in the secondary market, yeah. in the capital markets. So, okay, relax, guys. You know, it's okay. These are one to four performing properties. You know, the months, monthly payments are being made. You're good. Yeah. You can buy these. You'll get your investment. You'll make your money. Everybody's happy. Yeah, I don't know about any other companies, MBSs, not my problem. Yeah, fair enough. So, you know, look, I'm doing a lot of foreign national loans where people coming out of country still want to come to the United States. Oddly, a lot of people from Canada, I'm not sure why. Do you think it's the cost of homes? I know Vancouver's gone through the roof. Like that market's nuts with Chinese money. I would guess it has something to do with that, maybe a little to do with the political climate. Hard Hmm. to say. I'm I'm not here to decide. I'm here to provide (laughs) loans. So when I say foreign national, this is someone from out of country who wants to buy a property here. Right. Happy to do that. I want to shift gears a little bit with you and let's talk about the property itself and the uniqueness that we allow, which is one big category is non-warrantable condos. Oh, okay. Well, watch this real estate agent community. We will lend in those Trump Tower here in Vegas. Yeah. We've done business in this those buildings. Really? Yes, absolutely. Huh. So now non-warrantable condo is when you have more non-owner occupants right. in the entire, let's say there's 100 units and you got 51 of them are rentals. Right. The 49, that's non-warrantable now. Yeah, okay. it's pretty common here in Vegas. Very common. Because a lot of these hotels have residences built into them. Thank you. As residences. Well, and that, thank you for that segue because we do condo tells as <laughs> well. And the PUD tells, which is basically the town home, yeah. same thing. You know, so the very hotels, good opportunity. Hotels as a residence used to be huge. Yeah. Back in the twenties, thirties, forties. Yeah. When you moved to a city, you moved to a hotel. Yeah. Where you had a shower down at the end of the hall. <laughs> you had all your stuff taken <laughs> no, care of. Well, that you. might be a bit and of then an there issue. Were the nice ones, right. So, so when Marilyn <laughs> right. Monroe moves to New York, she's not staying in a place like that. No, but absolutely not. A lot of people not. would move to New York or San Francisco. Yeah. And they'd go live in a hotel and yeah. pay a weekly rate, and they'd yep. be in a hotel for years. Yeah. And, and it's shared not, bathrooms yeah. and all. Yeah. And yeah. That doesn't really exist. Yeah. Anymore. I don't think the ladies are going to be terribly happy with that oh, model. No, no, they don't no. like shared bathrooms no, anyway. No, 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 no. <laughs> For crying out loud, get a sink, you know. You better have two sinks in your bathroom these days. But anyway. Well, well, that was great. So let's let's shift gears the last time and kind of cut into if people want to get a hold of you and want to take them take advantage of your products, how do they get a hold of you? How do they wow, find I'm you? I'm allowed to quote my phone number? Yeah, you can quote your phone number, your website, uh, your email, whatever yeah. you want them to have. All right, fantastic. Right so, you know, Vance, V is in Victor, A-N-C-E, dot Miles, M-I-L-E-S, at ACRA, A-C-R-A, lending, dot com. There's an email. Direct number, 949 area code, 449-1608. Yes, we're in California. We're in a wonderful part of California, (laughs) South Orange County, right there in Irvine. So those of you familiar with the state, you'll know where we're at. Is there anywhere in the United States that you don't service? 
Um, if it's an investment property, the entire country. I'm okay. in 43 states if it's a primary residence. Gotcha. And as soon as Nevada gets done approving us, which we've been in line for about two years now. Come on, Nevada. I know, right? Idaho, there's another one. Try to get... Really? Yes. God, that was... You missed the hot Random. Ran- yeah. No, they, they want to keep it all in state. Okay, that's their state. They Got can do it. it however they want to. Fine. So that's but, state legislation keeping you out saying... I, you know, just the lenders in state. Wanting it to be other lenders in state and us folks from California. All your folks are leaving California, coming here to live. I don't know if we want your bank in here. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. We love you, Idaho. Thank you. Please approve our license there as well. But um, so, yeah, the majority of the states and certainly for the investment properties, the entire country. That's fantastic. Alaska, the Hawaiian, all of it. Let's go. Primaries were seven away. Seven away. Nevada, Idaho, come on, come on. Yeah. Let me be only five where, away. Where else are you in line? Are you in line in the other five? Um, or just at the moment, pushing? no. You've got, uh, so back into the regulatory issues. Yeah. In some states, thou shalt have a physical location, et cetera, ah. et cetera. And you have to work out between the federal regs and the state regs. Yeah. And we've got people that do that, and I'm not one of them. So I'm gotcha. not too up on that end of it. Um. You know, we're, we're doing very, very well with the 43 on the primary property and the entire country on the investment. Yeah, so that's great. it certainly keeps us busy. Well, fantastic. But, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoy the rest of Inman. Oh, I absolutely will. It's been a blast so far. I expect even more fun. Vance, we'll talk again. Thank you, sir. Justin, appreciate you. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our Inman episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you need any help with property management, and we can take care of it. We will. We are at poplar.homes slash pod. Again, that's poplar.homes slash pod or pod. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.